Okay, welcome everyone to class number two in the five class series on the laws of Shabbos candlelighting. Um, I want to quickly recap the things we talked about last week because we have a couple of new faces. Um, in a very small nutshell, we said that uh, we said that there's going to be uh, a universal chova, universal requirement for every single Jew to light Shabbos candles, whether women or men. Uh, whether married or single, everyone's got to light Shabbos candles or have someone lighting Shabbos candles for them. And as some people have noticed, we're going to get the details on that a little later on, just a little later on. Um, that was the first thing we talked about. We addressed it a, a little more at length. Um, and the second thing we talked about, which we also addressed more at length, was why we light when we do light. But we said in a nutshell that we light the candles about 18 minutes, somewhere around 20 minutes, uh, which most people are accustomed to do something along the lines of 18 minutes before Shkia, before sundown, before the sun sinks beneath the horizon. That is, as you find in the, uh, the local luach, the local calendar, usually those times are reliable. And that's what time we light the candles. This week, we're going to talk about some other subjects. The first thing I want to address is the, ever, uh, the evergreen question, which can be expressed as wax or oil. Wax or oil, what's better? Do we light candles with, uh, should, is it better to light candles with wax? Or you may notice a lot of people light them with oil, generally olive oil. Is there a reason for that? And should I be doing something different? What's the deal? So it all starts uh, with a Mishnah in Shabbos, Mishnah in the second parak of Shabbos, a very famous Mishnah. If you come to shul on Friday night, you'll hear everyone reciting it, as long as you're in a shul where people are davening Nosachashkenaz. The Mishnah says, madlikin madlikin. What may we light with, and what can't we, what are we not permitted to light with? So, the Mishnah lists, we're not going to get into the nature of the wicks, because we have all of our wicks today are very good wicks. We'll talk about, we'll focus on the oil. So, the second half of the Mishnah says, Velobizefes, you don't light with zephes, which is a pitch, Velobeshava, you can light with wax, right? Velobeshem and kick, you can use shem and kick, which is probably something like cottonseed oil. Velobeshem and sreifa, which is truma oil, that's a different subject really. Lobealia, not with the fatty tail, the hindquarter fats of a small animal. Velobechelev, and not with tallow. Nachum Hamadi Omer, Madlikin Bechelev Mavushal, Nachum Hamadi says, Nachum the Mead says, that you may light with cooked, with rendered fat. You cannot use either rendered or non-rendered fat. We're not going to get into the fats right now, and we're going to focus rather on the wax, right? Because that's the only really fuel source that we use today that's not oil for candles. So why can't you light a wax candle for Shabbos? What's, what's the Mishnah talking about? So, unfortunately, explained, the Gemara explains that what's going on is you have a, 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 when you have a candle burning that doesn't burn nicely, Chances are what you're going to want to do, and this is something that we're unfamiliar with because we have many sources of illumination that are constant and reliable, but if you have, imagine, picture, you have a dish of oil and, there's a, and you have a wick in it and the flame is burning. So what you might uh, experience is it doesn't burn very brightly. The, the or is not mosheikh, the light doesn't draw well on the wick. And therefore what you would do is you would tilt the dish to allow the fuel source to flow, flow a little more smoothly into the wick. Now that's forbidden on Shabbos because you're increasing the power of the flame. Right? That's no good. You can't do that. 
So shemayate, you're not allowed to, right, he may tilt, he may come to tilt the dish. So that's why you're not allowed to light using these not very high quality fuel sources for that reason. So uh, there's a, a very interesting discussion. First of all, there are, two, there, there, there are two parallel discussions which we need to expand upon over here. Um, what do we light with? We don't light with wax. So what do we light with? So the Mishnah, the next Mishnah in the second parak says that we don't light with, uh, we don't light with um, Shem and Sreifa, that's a different subject. We don't light with Itron, right? Rishmalz, excuse me, says we don't light with Itron, we don't light with Tar. Right? You can use Tar. The Chachamim, right, the majority opinion says that you can light with all oils, whether it's sesame oil, nut oil, etc., fish oil, all types of outside uh, unusual oils, itron, you can use, uh, you can use pitch, you can use uh, naphtha. Right, Tarfin says you've got to use olive oil. Okay, so we generally know, we know the general rule, when the majority opinion says one thing and then even individuals say another thing, we go with the majority rule, so majority rule says you can use all oils. You can use all oils. Now the Gemara comments, though, a little farther on, the Gemara comments here, and quotes the, a statement of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Yeshua ben Levi says, and he's actually referring to Hanukkah, he says, Kol hashmanim kulam All oils are good to light candles with. All oils work well as candle, uh, as, uh, for flames. V'shemen zayis min hamuvchar. And olive oil is the very best. Omer Abayah, Mereish HaBemahadr Mara, Mishcha Deshum Shemi. Abayah says that he remembered that his Rebbe would go looking for, uh, for sesame oil. Why? Omer Hai Mashach Nehari Tfei. That uh, had a, has a particularly, it draws very well. It's a good, um, it burns very, not that the light quality is necessarily so great, but it draws the oil, the wick draws the oil very well. Came in the Shomalahadra, he made a point once he heard this statement of Yeshua and Levi, he said, Okay, I better keep my eyes out for olive oil from now on. Amr Haid Sol and Hurry Tfei, because its light is purer, it looks nicer. So Tosfos comments here, and Tosfos says, This Gemara has to be talking about Ner Hanukkah, it can't be talking about Shabbos. Why? Because everyone knows, because the mission we just quoted, everyone agrees, everyone knows that Shem and Zayas, that olive oil, is better for Shabbos. Right, because Reb Tarfin's reasoning, Reb Tarfin, who's this, who's the the singular opinion, right? Reb Tarfin's reasoning is: Look, the olive oil is ideal for the purpose we need it for. It burns brightly. You're not going to tilt it. It's the least likely for you to tilt it. So Taisu says, given that we know that, right? That's not news. The, we, the fact that we don't paskin, that we don't rule, like Reb Tarfin, the fact that we allow all oils doesn't mean that there's any disagreement in terms of which oil is better. Everyone knows that olive oil is the best. Right, so that discussion, the Gemara has to have been talking about Hanukkah candles, and for Shabbos candles, everyone knows that olive oil is the ideal. That's what Taisu says. Okay, so, um, very well. So, in a nutshell, what we're left with is, as far as we can tell, wax is no good. You can't light a candle with wax. Uh, for Shabbos, you cannot use wax candles. You have to use oil. Ideally, you should use olive oil. So we're all in trouble, right? I mean, I don't know what you all do, but in my house, we use candles. We use wax candles. So what do you do now? What do you do? So there's a very interesting... Uh, the Rashi's commentary on the Gemara and the Rush, who is... Uh, the Rush is one of the, uh, the earliest sources of codified Ashkenazic law. And the Rush, uh, Rabbi Noasher, so he explains as follows. He says, he, he, he says that the... The Gemara, what the Mishnah is talking about, is a scenario where you take a dish, a bowl, something like a, a, a shallow dish, and you feed a wick into it, and you put the fuel source in there, right? So it's melted or, or maybe ground up 
wax or it's a pool of oil and you have a, a, a wick in there. So that's the whole concern is, right, that you're going to tilt the dish to increase the illumination. So the Rosh says, but you should know that they have this great trick they do here out in these uh, German-speaking, these Germanic countries where, where our folks live, and these French-speaking countries, where they have, they manage to get the wax onto the wick. They manage to run the wax all the way up the wick. And that's fine. That's not an issue. That's not an issue because there's no possible way that you could tilt a regular wax candle. to The, the whole concern doesn't apply. It's not physically possible. And he says, this is the custom in France and in Germany. This is what we do, right? Because keep in mind, these are not olive-growing regions. So uh, what else are they going to do? They, if they're going to have Shabbos candles, they're going to need to use wax. Now, he cites, actually, that the, the sages of Narbonne, uh, who, which is a region in modern-day France, um, disagreed. And they said, you're not allowed to do this, and you still have to use, you have to use oil. If I'm not mistaken, Narbonne, conveniently, is an olive-growing region. So <laughs> easy for them to say. But... Um, but the rush, uh, the rush is not concerned about this. The rush says, I don't, I'm not concerned about the opinion of the sages of Narbonne, and we stick to our custom here. We, Ashkenazim, uh, stick to our custom. It has to be those hard candles, like a tea light's going to have liquid in it. Ooh, that's a very good one. That's a very good point, isn't it? Well, We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Okay, yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. Okay, so the Shulchan Aruch says, Shar kol hashmanim, other oils, chutz me'elum adlikin bohem. Right? All other oils, except he lists all the bad oils, the smelly oils, whatever. And he says, other, any oils that don't smell bad, that are pleasant to be around, uh, you're allowed to light with them. <speaking in Hebrew> the best is olive oil. And he paskins in the next halacha, <speaking in Hebrew> If you manage to get some, some uh, tar, or some, uh, uh, excuse me, some pitch, or some wax, or some tallow around the wick. If you can get it onto the wick, you're allowed to light with that. That's fine. We're not concerned about that. So, and the Beis Yosef mentions in his, uh, in his commentary on the Torah, he says, and he also, he cites that this is the custom, apparently in his, uh, in his locale as well, that the custom was to light with candle candles. Okay. So, the question that Mrs. Tershwell asked is a big issue. Because... It's all about me. My candles that we use, right, we have those glass holders, right? The first thing I thought was tea lights. The first concern I ran into was tea lights. And then I said, well, we, like, you know, when we have guests, we put out tea lights. But even just us, we have the glass holders, and they put the, you put the, those neronim in, right, the paraffin neronim, yeah. and you light them, and within, a, a, you know, 15 minutes or so, they become liquid. So we're back right out of the frying pan into the fire, to coin a phrase. Right? We're, we're, we have the same problem again. We now have a dish with a wick sitting in it. So how are we allowed to do this? We, we still have a problem. So then I found the Mugin Avram. Mugin Avram is a commentary in the Shulchan Aruch. The Mugin Avram says, Shem Zayis Mitzvah, Vim ain't Shem Zayis Matzui. Right? If you can't find olive oil, Mitzvah B'Shar Shmanim, right? Then use some other oil. Vein Kod Shava, and they're all superior to wax. Came the Eishos and B'Shava, because some people say wax is, some people say you can't wax at all. In other words, he's saying, keep in mind the opinion of the sages of Narbonne, who th say you can't use wa wax at all. Okay, so he says now, he says, he cites the Bach. Ubach Kasab, the Bach says, The wax that was being referred to by those who forbade it, the sages of Narbonne, they were referring to, uh, excuse me, not the sages of Narbonne, but the Gonim, um, they were referring to a very low-quality type of wax, which was commonplace. It was, it was, uh, 
probably something along the lines of raw beeswax. It wasn't processed in any way, and it was not a very pleasant fuel, and there were probably bits of bugs in it and whatnot. Avram says, our wax is fine, because our candles are great. We have the best candles. And the light is very clear, bright, and beautiful. And the Morgan of Rome's Chedesh is, the Morgan of Rome's saying is, you don't have to worry. Right? We thought all along that anything that's in a dish, regardless of how well it burns, right, is going to be a problem, unless it's the, one of the approved things. The Morgan of Rome says, no, it's completely subjective. It depends how well it burns. You can put something that burns as well or better, as well as or better than olive oil in a dish with a wick. That's also okay. It doesn't have to be in the form of a candle. The only reason it had to be in the form of a candle is that it was low quality, this wax. But once you have good quality wax, that's just as good as, just as, good as olive oil. Just as good as olive oil. Right? Because it's beautiful light. Yes? That is more a question just about halacha in general. So, but then it seems like he's taking the words of the Mishnah and saying it's not what they're saying as much as, I guess, like what the Mitzvah in the situation was. Right. And that's finally, I don't know, not necessarily reinterpreting the Mishnah, but saying they don't really mean these things are a problem. They mean like right now in the quality that we have is the problem. Right, so it's it's it, it is it's a very good point that you're making, and it's it's a it's a judgment call that takes a lot of, I would say, experience in, Talmudology, uh, you know, someone like the Mogen Avram has to say, this is a scenario where we're actually we're concerned about the subjective nature of the substance we're dealing with, rather than saying there's a xera on things that are not oil, which I might have thought, I might have thought, that's what I thought at first. That's why I thought tea lights were a problem. The Mogan of Rum is coming to tell us that no, that's not the case. So you're making a valid point. The Mogan of Rum didn't think that that was a concern here. But uh, I definitely see the room for such an interpretation. But isn't it true that, I mean, if Mishnah doesn't say this is the rule, then all it's doing is it's giving us a, whole, a bunch of case law, and it's really up to the Gemara and up to the Mephorshim to, to figure out what the rules really are. So yeah. this is just following the process. For sure. That's why. But that's why, you know, would I do it on my own? No. But I have the Mogan of Rum to rely on, right? I would say, like I yelled said, I would say, I don't know, right? But I have the Mogan of Rum to rely on, and he has the uh, Talmud prowess to, uh, to, um, to, uh, to make that call. But yeah, it's, uh, that's absolutely true. We, need, we, you know, uh, we rely on the Mesorah for interpretation. Okay, so now we've rescued our tea lights, we rescued our neironim, and we're good to go. Okay. Um, so practically speaking, Ramosha Feinstein, people, poskim as diverse as Ramosha Feinstein, these type Lagon, the Chazanish, all permitted paraffin, they all permitted those nice white candles that uh, people all over the world use. It's very interesting, and it's worth noting, that the Chida, who is a Sephardic authority, right, he was of the opinion, he said, it's cool, halakhically it's fine, you certainly can use wax. But, there's something to know, which is that there's a segula, right? There's a segula which comes with lighting candles, right? The women, uh, the women have the opportunity in that moment to, to uh, invoke a segula for righteous and learned children. Righteous and learned children. And the Chidah says, according to, uh, according to uh, the esoteric teachings of the Torah, that only is appropriate in the case of olive oil. Olive oil is, right, that's a, something of a sowed nature, something of a Kabbalah type of nature. He says that it has to be olive oil. And Talmud Chacham are compared to olive oil, Chazal say. So, it has to be olive oil. And the Chidah says, therefore, it's still a good idea to use olive oil. But of course, from a halachic perspective, um, you are Yotze. And I saw that Rav Avram Chaim Noah, who was a, uh, an Israeli posek who lived in the mid... 20th century, I think it was when he passed away. 
Rav Noet mentions that the custom in Yerushalayim was to use wax candles, but to make sure to light at least two candles out of olive oil in order to fulfill the original custom. Okay. So much for the question of olive oil. So another very interesting question that comes up is electric candles. Electric candles, right? We're going to talk about the house lights in a, in a coming class. But what about electric candles? Let's say I have, uh, you know, two little electric candlesticks. A lot of shuls have them up at the front. Well, I can, can I use those? Can, are those a, a good option for, for, uh, for lighting? So uh, the Shmir Shabbos Kil Chasa, Rabbi Neuwirth, cites Hartsvi, Rabbi Supesach Frank, who actually says it's better, it's better to use electric candles, which is amazing. Right? This is beautiful light. You can't go wrong. Why wouldn't you use electric candles? That's the opinion of the Hartsvi. Right? It's important to note that for purposes of you know, whether something is fire from a Orisa perspective, from a Torah perspective, right? So it's a great debate whether light bulbs constitute fire from a Torah perspective. It's a very hard contention to prove that, light, that a light bulb is a fire for Shabbos purposes. But we don't need a fire. We need a light. We need a light. We have a light, and it's a good light. So, great. No problem. Someone, Rabbi Pupko, mentioned to me that he saw somebody who claimed that that the bracha that we say lahadlik nershal shabbos might be an issue because lahadlik implies to light to kindle and you don't kindle an electric light but the the answer which i think is uh, is muvan love it's not very difficult to understand actually it's easier said than done but in modern hebrew in common usage today we say lahadlik to turn on the electric light as well and generally speaking, um, in brachos, we uh, rely on the opinion that says that, uh, that uh, brachos follow the common language that people use and not the, uh, the language of the Torah. That's a debate that uh, does exist in the Gemara. Do we say, do we write the brachos kofta lashem de'adam or lashem Torah? But we allow people to make brachos lashem de'adam. That's why we say lahafrish chala min ha'isa and not lahafrish truma min ha'isa. The Torah doesn't say the word chala in reference to hafrash's chala. The Torah calls it truma. Lahafrish chala min ha'isa is nonetheless the bracha we say. Okay. So, Shmir Shabbos says it's better. Ravavadya, also says it's okay. Ravavadya says it's okay. He says, but you should probably also light an oil candle. Probably also light an oil candle because, you know, just uh, cover all your bases. That is Ravavadya's opinion. Shlom Zohan Arbach has a very interesting point. Uh, there's a concept which we, we may uh, touch on a little bit later, which is that you don't want to have a scenario where you're lighting a candle that's, that is certain to burn out. So if you were to light, you know, just a wick without any oil, that wouldn't be good. That wouldn't, that would be a problem in terms of, you know, if you, you know, you, maybe you caught on a spark for a second for a few minutes, but it's not really going to do anything and you need a proper candle. So Rav Shlomo Zaman says it's better to use a battery powered light than to plug into the wall. Even though plugging into the wall, of course, is an infinite power source, assuming that there are no uh, wildfires, it's an, it's an infinite power source, right? But, but the problem you run into is, that the electricity is constantly being renewed, right? So, uh, I don't know the, tech, the, the technical aspects of it, but if I'm not mistaken, the, that's the hallmark of alternating current, right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not like they're sitting in the wall. It's, it's flowing from an external source, and Rosh Hashanah doesn't like that so much. When, I was in, when we had our first two children in, uh, in Monmouth University, in, uh, in Monmouth Hospital, in Monmouth Medical Center in, uh, in Long Branch, New Jersey, so, which is basically 30% people from Lakewood. Uh, so over Shabbos, the Bikr Chalom came around and they gave out little electric candles because the hospital does not take very kindly to people uh, kindling fires in their rooms. 
and they have little packaged instructions from local Lakewood rabbis saying, this is how you make a bracha, don't worry, it's fine, this is l'chatchila, but they were battery-powered, they weren't plugged in Because Rosh Hashanah says it's better to use batteries. Okay, very nice. Um, interesting point, the Shmir Shabbos Kilchaser of Newark points out, uh, let's say you just do decide, or you are forced for some reason, to use electric candles, and you want to put them on a timer. Because if you put them on a timer, you can't make a bracha. Because the timer is... Huh? The timer turned it on. Yeah, the timer, the timer, it's too secondary. It's, it's going to be similar to halacha we're going to learn later on about when you, you know, if you have to enlist the help of a non-Jew, because uh, it's already past shkia, then you don't make a bracha either. It's a similar type of halacha. So is it better if I have, let's say, electric candles or the possibility of leaving my closet light on? Which one is better? If you can specifically light, and you're saying your two options are both electric, and you yeah. can't, for some reason, you can't write like yeah. regular candles, so it's always better to have a, a candle which is specifically for Shabbos, mm. which is something we're going to get into in a later class, but uh, it's always better to have something that uh, is specifically designed for Shabbos. So yeah, if you can, you want to have it specifically for Shabbos, and no matter what, whatever it is you are turning on and off, even if it's one of your regular lights, uh, again, we'll get into the permissibility of that later on, um, is is it's you need to have it in mind for Shabbos, Lakavit Shabbos. That's the mitzvah. All right. So a very interesting yes. It seems like lighting electric candles is almost totally fine. Right? Yes. We we have a set, a cheap set that I I keep in my travel bag for when we go to hotels and things like this that don't want us to light. There's no reason, there's this total, totally okay. Ravavadya's a little uncomfortable. Ravavadya says light a backup. But the fact that the Lakewood Post can say you can make a bracha when you do it, let me tell you, that means they're sure. That means they're not worried at all. So um, I want to carry matches in a plane. And right, all, all that type of thing. Oh, got little Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that for, for a lot of women, you know, they want to do things the same way their mother and their grandmother did it. And there are a lot of great reasons, especially because if people are particular yes. light with oil, you want to you know, do the segulas that we talked about. There are a lot of good reasons to do it otherwise, but, uh, but in, in a pinch, there's no reason you can't use electricity. Um, so an interesting and current question is if anyone has a Shabbos lamp at home. So let's say I have a Shabbos lamp, which is on, right? And what I want to do is, I don't want to monkey around with, it's too close to Shkia, it makes me uptight. I want to just set a Shabbos lamp near my, uh, you know, in, 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 the proper, in the proper room and uh, keep it closed. And when the time comes, I'll open it up and, uh, and I'll make a brach. So, Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach was of the opinion, Shlomo Zaman Orbach never saw a Shabbos lamp, but he, had, he, thought of, uh, he definitely could, could have thought of the idea of covering an existing light source. Uh, Rav Shlomo Zaman said, uh, you can't make a bracha on that. It's a very, he's actually a very clever uh, reason, reasoning as to why you can't make a bracha. He said, he, he, the implication is that you can do it in a pinch, you know, bidiyavid, but he wouldn't recommend making a bracha because it doesn't make sense to make a bracha saying lahadlik on something that you could do on Shabbos. Because the idea is you're lighting, you're lighting the lights for Shabbos. But if you could very well do this on Shabbos, right, you could do it two hours from now, that's kind of not consonant with the whole idea of lighting candles before Shabbos for Shabbos. So he thinks that the bracha cannot have been directed at such an eventuality. So, right, in other words, this, what you just did for the purpose of the mitzvah is something you could do two hours later in the middle of Shabbos. No, because you turn the light on specifically. No, you, in, this, in this scenario, we're talking about the light's on anyway, right? 
before Shabbos, you simply flick on the light. Yes, that would be a much smarter thing to do. <laughs> that, would, that would be a much smarter thing to do. But if for some reason you can't do that, but you're able to cover a light. He probably had a light in a closet door. Yes, most likely that's the scenario. Yeah. And for some reason he could, you couldn't control the light switch, right? Can you just uh, cover it in some way? Shalom Zalman said you can't make a brach, although the, the implication is perhaps you could do it in a pinch and not be considered as if you'd missed out on illuminating your house for Shabbos. Okay. Those are the questions of the material on which we like. So now we get to a very interesting topic, a very hot topic for Svartim and Ashkenazim alike. I, um, I used all types of media to uh, prepare this part of the class, including a seven-minute video of Rebavadya on YouTube, um, which was very enjoyable to watch, as those always are. Okay, so it comes the time to light, and the woman, or the man, Generally, the woman is going to be making a bracha. The Magen Avram inserts at this point, says, by the way, this is a great moment to daven for learned children. This is right where you want to slot that, that prayer in. The Magen Avram says, la halacha. He brings it in the halacha. This is a, this is a great time to, uh, to get that in there, you know? That's, a, that's, an, a, that's, an important, um, that's an important point. So the Ramah, the Ramah in Orochayim, Rishon Kimmel, hey, Right, so the Mechaber there, the Shulchan Aruch says, Kishiyad, like when he lights, Yivarich Baruch Atah Hashem, uh, it says actually in, in the masculine as it happens, Baruch Atah Hashem, Lokin Malachalam, Asher Kishon Tzosavitz, Yonu Lahadlik Nereshal Shabbos, right, Lahadlik Nereshal Shabbos, Echad Ho'esh Vechad Isha, whether a man or a woman, Gambi Yomtev Tzorav Lubarich, we'll talk about Yomtev at the end, but Yomtev as well, uh, you need to make a bracha, Yom Kippurim, he's not sure, okay. There are more comments, and he says, Yesh Misha Omer, one opinion says you have to make a bracha before the hadlock. There's another opinion that says no, it's got to be afterwards. Right? Now, what's the problem over here? We have a general rule. We have a general rule which says, Mavarchin al mitzvahs over lasiyasan. Mavarchin al mitzvahs over lasiyasan sounds like we're saying you have to make a bracha on mitzvahs after you do them. But that's not what it means. It actually means you have to make brachas on mitzvahs before you do them. Right? Over seems like it sound, sounds kind of like past. But the Gemara Psachim proves that over in this case actually means before. In other words, the asiyah must be over to the, br- to the bracha in a sense. Right? The, the, uh, we're not going to get lost in the linguistics over here. But brachas on mitzvahs are supposed to happen before the action. Before the action. Right? That's why when a person takes a lulav, he starts with it upside down. Right? He starts with the esrog upside down. He makes the bracha. He then turns it over, right? thus actually fulfilling the mitzvah. That's, that's the general order of things. So, we have a problem because the halacha says, the Ramah is, is quoting an opinion that says that you make the bracha after you light the candles. So what do you do? The Ramah says, I'm sure everyone is familiar with this, Certainly Ashkenazim. You put your hands in front of the candle, right? You put your hands in front of the candle. Once you light it. This is the custom. The Ramah says, we Ashkenazim, our custom is that we first light the candles. We quickly cover our eyes or cover the candles so we don't derive any benefit from the light, or loosely, you know, more or less. And we make the bracha, and then we remove our hands. It's just like turning the asterisk upside down, right? It's like a little trick to make the uh, to to make things uh, to make things work out. So, it's it's a very interesting um, it's a very interesting thing, and really we have to answer the question of why do we do that? Why don't we just make the bracha beforehand? Wouldn't that be a lot easier? So the drisha, the drisha is a commentary written by Rabbi Shua Falk, 
who is a ta- student of the Rama himself, a commentary on the tour, and the Drisha cites his mother. The Drisha says that my mother always used to say that the reason for this was as follows. Sounds like the Drisha's mother was a learned woman. And she said that, if you think about it, when we light the candles, we're being makabal Shabbos, we're accepting Shabbos. So if you're going to light the first candle, right, having already made the bracha, you're going to light the first candle. Already at that moment, you're Makabal Shabbos, you've accepted Shabbos and Shabbos. How do you light the second candle? How do you light the second one, right? So your only choice is, right, your only choice is that uh, you have to do this trick, you have to manage to light both candles and then quickly cover them so you don't derive any benefit, and then make a bracha. That's the Drisha's mother, uh, that's the Drisha's mother's thinking. And she says the nafkamina, the difference is going to be on Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, you're allowed to light a fire. Pesach Shavuot, so because you can light a fire. So that's, so he says, so the Drisha's mother says, in that scenario, you should make the bracha beforehand because there's nothing wrong. It's okay, you made a bracha, you're makabal Yom Tov, you can still light fires, no big deal. It's a very clever uh, piece of thought. The Mogan Avram isn't very... Pre- what do you say? What's the question? Sorry, and the opinion also, a man can, lighting candles also should say, should say the bracha before the candles because he's using shamans after without any... What about a man? Good question. We're going to get to that in a moment. Yes? Well, it, it's different because he's going to defer until after he's in the middle of we'll see. Well, so we'll see exactly what's going on here. We're, there, there, there's, you're, we're assuming it's different. I don't want to assume that just yet. Uh, we're going to get to the, what, what a man should do in that scenario in a moment. This is definitely the custom of women for many, many generations. The Mughan of Ram makes fun of it. The Mughan of Ram is not very impressed. He says, this is just foolishness. This is people who don't understand anything. And uh, you, you've got it all wrong. You've got it all backwards. Um, he says, because of the concept of low plug. Low plug, right? In other words, and the, the simple meaning of what the Mughan of Ram is saying, low plug, we don't distinguish between rabbinic enactments, they always, the bracha and a mitzvah always has to be over Lassiyasan. There can't be any exceptions. So there's no reason that this should be different. That's the simple understanding of what the Mughan Ram is saying. We're going to present another understanding in a moment. That's the simple understanding the Mughan Ram disagrees with the whole thing. Everyone else sticks up for the Jerusha's mother. Everyone else thinks the Mughan Ram is a little out of line. They, they don't like it at all. And uh, they, they think that uh, that's not the case. Uh, the Arach HaShulchan is included. The Arach HaShulchan says... That, in fact, a man who's lighting, right, should say the bracha first. A man who's lighting should say the bracha first. Why should he say the bracha first? In other words, he says, he says I accept the Drisha's mother's explanation that this is what the women have been doing, right? He says, but practically speaking, there's a simple solution, which is a t'nai, which is make a mental condition, right? Or a verbal condition, say, I'm not accepting Shabbos on myself. He says, our concern is that this is going to be confusing for the woman. She's running into Shabbos, and she's... You know, it's hectic for her, and, and she's not necessarily, you know, women in those times generally didn't necessarily know how to read. There would be a lot to ask for them to also have to construct halachic constructs, uh, you know, about when they're really accepting Shabbos. It was way too complicated, so we're not going to do that. We're not going to subject that to them, right? Subject them to that. However, if a man finds himself, you know, once in a blue moon, the assumption is the man does know how to read, although not all men know how to read either, right? So the man should be aware that the correct thing for him to do is, in fact, to light beforehand. Um, that's worth noting that the Mishnah the Mishnah cites uh, another opinion, which is that he reads the Chayadam, he quotes the Chayadam, who's, the Mishnah understanding of the Magan of Ram is not the way I just explained, although I, I, I'm confused by this because the Mishnah himself seems to explain it in a different place the way I just explained it. It looks like a bit of a contradiction in the Mishnah I, I, I didn't really have the time to try to get to the bottom of it, but the, the Mishnah and the Bir Halacha cites the Chayi Adam, who he says agrees with the Magin Avraham, 
that there's a low plug, that we don't make any distinctions between the rabbinic enactments in this scenario. And he says what that means, practically speaking, is that there's a low plug, not like what I said, there's a low plug in the general rule of overlasiyasan, but that there's a low plug in the order of brachas and candles. And therefore, a man shouldn't mess with the order of brachas and candles, right? The opposite way. So the Mishnah brings at least one opinion that says that the man should just stick to the same thing his wife would do. But the Aruch HaShulchan, if you would ask me, I would tell you to rely on the Aruch HaShulchan uh, and the simple reading of the Magen Avram, which is that we, we project the Magen Avram's premise uh, completely rather than partially accepting it. Um, and uh, if, you, if a man were to ask me personally for what it's worth, uh, you know, when, what to do, I would say make a bracha first. Okay, um, so this is one of the famous matters about which Ravadya Yosef, uh, quarreled very fiercely with Ashkenazic Poskim, and he believed that it was a very grave error, it was a mistake, and there was, this was not the right thing to do. He said that the opinion of the Rambam is that if somebody makes a bracha which is not over Lasiyasan, it's a bracha Lubatala, right, which that's a fact, if you make a bracha at the wrong time, I mean, it's... In this case, there's this. You could fight about it, but that's a subject for another another class. But he held that the prohibitions that we're dealing with here, the potential uh, bracha levatala, potential bracha for no reason, are very severe. We shouldn't touch that. And he believes that he believed that the uh, the uh, simple reading, at least, of the Beis Yosef, the clear the, the which you know, for Ravadia, the Beis Yosef is the gold standard. Ravadia says clear that you have to make a bracha beforehand. Um, he says. He actually says that Ravisa Zalman Meltzer, who was a great Ashkenazic, a great Lithuanian Torah thinker, when he moved, he claims, Ravadisa, every time he talked about this, and I, I watched the video on YouTube, and he says it there, and every time they quote him, they, they, in writing, they say they add this point that Ravisa Zalman Meltzer, when he moved to Yerushalayim, he adopted the custom, or he told his wife to adopt the custom of lighting before, uh, of making a bracha before she lit, because now he's in Eretz Yisrael, now he's in the land of the Beis Yosef, now he's in the place where the Beis Yosef lived, and he has to adopt the customs of the Beis Yosef. I have heard people say that this isn't true. I, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Ravavadya, you know, I would imagine Ravavadya wasn't making it up, but I wonder if there was maybe a, a something got lost in translation. But nonetheless, the custom among Ashkenazim is to uh, light out, to make a bracha afterwards. And, and the Svar, those Svardim who follow the opinions of Ravavadya, which is many, many, many of them, uh, make a bracha before. Okay. Finally, we're going to talk about a question which I'm sure, uh, which I I've know that that's something that confused me quite a bit. At what point are we Makabil Shabbos? At what point do we take Shabbos in? And this whole lighting, bracha, what, 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 what gives? What's going on there? So there's an opinion of the Bahag. Bahag's an early medieval authority. Bahag, right, the Bal Halachos Gedolos, the author of the book called Halachos Gedolos, early authority, he says that the lighting of the candles is, constitutes the acceptance of Shabbos. When I light the candles, that means it's Shabbos here in this house, right? And he says, and it's uh, the, the postcum note, that it's for that reason that uh, many women have the custom that they don't extinguish the match after they light. They just set it down. They set it down. They set it down because it's already Shabbos, even though they haven't made a bracha yet, in accordance with Minig of Ashkenaz, they haven't made a bracha yet. Right, because the, 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 we we do it, the, we cover our eyes and we do the whole shtick, right? But nonetheless, right, uh, you don't want to extinguish the match because it's already Shabbos. 
So the Shulchan Aruch quotes. Uh, was yeah. The Shulchan Aruch. I use a clicker. <laughs> okay, that's that's one way to do it. That's one way to do it. Well, then the release would be an extinct. Would be like blowing out the match. Don't worry, we're going to defend your practice in a moment. We're going to defend your practice in a moment. Okay, the Shulchan Aruch says, the Shulchan Aruch cites, this is Yesh Omrim, there are opinions that say, if you make a condition, if you make a tonight, right? What if I say, my husband is in Shul, all the men are in Shul, and we're not starting Shabbos until they start Mayrav over there. I'm lighting now, but until Mayrav, assuming Mayrav is not after Shkia Sachama, if Mayrav is after Shkia, then, you know, Shabbos comes whether you like it or not at a certain point. But I'm not accepting Shabbos, right? Because remember, we're trying to accept the Shabbos. We're trying to add a little on to Shabbos. That was the subject of last week's class. We're, we're adding a little on to Shabbos, so we, you know, got to get a little extra in there. The question is, when is that happening? So I say to myself, you know what? I'm waiting till Barcho. I'm waiting till Mayrav starts. So, so I'm saying that, that tonight, that condition works. And some people say that doesn't work. There is another opinion, yet, yet a, now a fourth opinion, that says, The candle doesn't mean anything in terms of Shabbos. The candle, uh, the, 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 the way Shabbos is accepted is when Marv starts, is when we start davening Marv. Right? Everyone stops doing Malacha by the time the Chazan says Baruch Now, keep in mind, this is in a time that they did not recite Kabbalah Shabbos. Right? Today we recite Kabbalah Shabbos. So, if you're in Shul already by Baruch and you're still doing Malacha, you're in trouble because it is long after Shkia. So, he says, the Shulchan Aruch says, Odidan, Kevin Shizchilu, Mizmar Shiliyam Shabbos, have Right, he says, we say Mizmar Shilam Shabbos. This is before the fuller Kabbalah Shabbos that people say today came around. But we who say only Mizmar Shilam Shabbos, that's like Baruch I'm not mistaken, Syrians only say to this day Mizmar Shilam Shabbos. People who are not Syrians, Egyptians, Lebanese, I think. Pretty sure. You know? I don't say it. Yeah, well, I mean, when I used to go to... Right. <laughs> yeah, we don't, they don't say the whole Lechadodi, the whole uh, first no, part. just a few... Of just a couple to him, right? Yeah. So for them, it's uh, this is Halach Okay. So now, that's four opinions. Don't worry, the Ramah has a fifth. The Ramah says, Bahaminug, our custom, right? That's what the Ramah is always doing. The Ramah is always saying, hey, don't forget, we have Minhagim too, right? Ashkenazim are always a little, a little inferiority complex. So no, we have Minhagim. This is going to sound familiar. The person who's lighting accepts Shabbos upon herself, luck when she lights. If she didn't make a tonight, if she didn't make a condition, she makes a condition, she can make, she's entitled to make a condition, says the Ramah. She doesn't have to say it, she can just think it. Oh, I'm not, not taking it in Shabbos now. Right, that was me saying it, but imagine it playing in your head. Right? Everyone else in the house is allowed to do malacha, that's fine. Ad barchu until Mayrav comes. That's that's to do with where we exactly we light, and we'll talk about that in a future class. Practical applications. What about the opposite? What, what if Mayrav is before? Like if you take in Shabbos early, mm. Mayrav is early. That's a very good question. So, the answer is that it, the, the way the Ramal lays it out, it's very individualized. So for you, who are lighting candles, right, and your husband's coming home from shul, so you get to wait until you like hit like candles. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to, pra practically speaking, it's ideal, you know, ideally, the men shouldn't, 
come. They say the men shouldn't come home and uh, without Shabbos having been accepted. But I, I, I don't think that we, generally speaking, we don't require the women to, uh, to uh, match up to the husbands. Although in a scenario where, where everyone in a town, perhaps, like if there's one minion and there's no other minion, that might be different. That's a good question. So, okay. Um, the Magen Avram comments over here. Because if you're going to be lighting, this is important, if you're going to find yourself lighting uh, around this time, which is when you'd be lighting, Davin Mincha first. Davin Mincha first. Because once you've lit, right, you've accepted Shabbos, it's too late to Davin Mincha. It's too late to Davin Mincha. So you got to Davin Mincha first. I mean, of course, the Aruch HaShulchan, the Aruch HaShulchan who says, make no mistake, if, you, you know, if you're up against the, if, you, if you're down to the wire and it's Mincha or lighting, you light the candles and you, uh, as the kids say, you take the L. You take the loss. But you can't say mincha after. Then. That we yeah we held you can't say mincha after. You'd say two marivs or something because it was you wasn't your fault that you uh, you know you missed you were you were an ones you were you were you know it's an unfortunate turn of circumstances that caused you to miss mincha. So you'd say two marivs. That's what you would do. So. Um, mm-hmm, okay, um, the Mishnah Brewer points out. Just on the subject of Tanai, on the subject of the um, of the uh, the condition, the Mishnah Brewer says that you should only make a Tanai for a reason. We don't kid around with a Tanai, right? because there are some opinions that hold that uh, that you're that you're that you're not allowed to make a condition. So only make a condition if there's some need. Don't make a condition just because it's convenient or whatever. There should be some kind of pressing reason. Yes, sweet. So for a man that he, he usually accepts Shabbat when he doesn't, so. Does he need to do a, a tenai, or even a visit tenai, before lighting, or because they come on, they come away from Shabbos? If a man is both lighting, if li- is lighting for himself, so the according to the Aruch yeah, since he generally accepts Shabbos with Ma'ariv, um, and since he doesn't, he doesn't say right for the man. There's even if a man's lighting every week, a man's single and living by himself, and he's lighting his own candles every week, right? But since the whole idea of accepting Shabbos with the lighting is like specifically feminine, and generally speaking, the men uh, don't have that assumption. He's allowed to. Uh, the question of whether you should maybe have a tonight. Uh, the the tonight might be might be implicit. It's a good question. Right? If I'm doing it every week, that's a fair question. It could be the tonight is the, the tonight is unspoken because what if your norm becomes? Let's say you don't always make it to show, right? So what if you? But in general, if it, if it's your practice to, go to, I mean, we, we, we have that in, in terms of eating when it's you know when it's mincha uh, time or something. If if you know you're going to shul, you've always gone to shul. Right. Then then it's not right. The, the only way I can think of it's an issue is if, if you don't always get the shul. If you don't always get the shul, so maybe you might have an issue. But yeah, if, if you're. Can make it tonight to daven mincha You can't make it tonight that makes it into daytime. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing. You can't. You I I've tried. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that's uh. You, oh, but but I know what you really. Yeah. That's not what you're saying. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. No, yeah. yeah, I understand what you're saying. You're saying Orbach says, Mrs. Tershol's Mahan Zalman, which is a good place to be in. We should all be jealous of her seat. And Urslomazalman, Urslomazalman says, first of all, Urslomazalman says, getting back to that thing about dropping the match, Urslomazalman says, blow out the match. Blow out the match. Why does he say blow out the match? A very interesting thought. Urslomazalman always has a clever, uh, a clever take. Urslomazalman says that the Kabbalah, the acceptance of Shabbos, is with the bracha, not the lighting. Mm-hmm. And Shlomo Zalman says, you know what my proof is? He says, this whole business where you set down the match, he says, sure, sure, there's a minute to set down the match. He says, nobody sets down the match like you really would if it was Shabbos. If it was Shabbos, you wouldn't just, oh, I dropped the match, right? You would be 
putting down that match really carefully. Rosh Hashanah says the minig itself clearly is something that someone maybe got into their heads at some point. I don't know if Rosh Hashanah trying to. I don't think he's trying to knock down the minig, but he's saying he's saying the minig doesn't reflect that the, traditionally uh, we always thought that there was an acceptance of Shabbos going on. The, the acceptance of Shabbos happens with the bracha, and many, I think that most people uh, blow out the match or shake it out or whatever. Shalom Zaman also adds what Mrs. Tershaw just pointed out, which is that a good idea is you should use a tonight to not yet accept Shabbos, to make it not yet night, so it should still be day, and you will thereby be able to daven mincha.